On August 22, 1979, I had a call from a Dr. Melvin Gross. All I knew about Melvin Gross was that he was the prominent Irving, Texas surgeon for whom my sister worked. On the few social occasions when I'd seen him, he had shown an intelligent interest in my investigations. My nephew has disappeared, he said in a voice that quavered. He was taking a summer course at Michigan State University in East Lansing when it happened. Where's his permanent home? I asked. I knew that students sometimes get despondent over grades and vanish from school. But usually, after a detour, they turn up at home. Criminals on the run exhibit pretty much the same pattern. The family lives in Dayton, Ohio, and he didn't just run off. He's not that kind of kid. He loves school. In fact, he's considered to be a genius. He has a wonderful analytical mind, and the professors have been amazed at his mathematical skill and how much he knows about computers. I just can't see him as a runaway. How old is he? I wasn't much impressed so far. Uncles tend to exaggerate a bit about favorite nephews. I still thought bad grades. Dallas is 16. Dallas? James Dallas Egbert III. We call him Dallas. He graduated from high school at 13, entered college at 14, and he's a sophomore now. I'm telling you, dear, he's not the type to just go on the road. Now I was interested. Maybe because at 13, I was in the eighth grade, and my chief worries were acne and my shyness with girls. The name Dallas fascinated me, too. On the other hand, I had to think for a minute before I could decide about getting involved. I'd just returned from handling an extortion case in Tokyo, and I was looking forward to taking my 11-year-old son to Disney World. I looked at his picture on my desk, and I thought about lost boys. I didn't want or need another investigation right now, but something led me to ask more about this one. "'What do you want me to do?' I asked. "'Would you be interested in handling the case? "'I've talked with Jim and Anna Egbert. "'Anna is my wife's sister, "'and they're very unhappy about the police in East Lansing "'who think it's just another missing person case. "'Anyway, the Egberts very much want to retain your services.' "'Maybe,' I said." but let me talk with the Egberts first. That is a rule with me. Before I take any case, I want to be sure that my clients will tell me all details, good and bad, about the person involved. My standard warning to clients is that if they withhold anything, I walk off. That all stems from the 3 a.m. call I once had from a man who told me with great emotion that he had just shot a man who was trying to rob him. I took this fellow as a client and put myself on the line for him, only to discover that what he had actually done was to shoot and stab the victim in a fight over a woman. The police in his town still give me a hard time when I try to work with them. Nevertheless, as a private investigator, 
I often get the kind of trust and information that people don't give the police. That's why I can solve cases that the police can't. I got Jim Egbert in Dayton, and he put his wife on the telephone extension. She took over immediately. Mr. Deer, thank God you called. I'm so desperate about my son. I don't know if he's committed suicide and is lying in some ditch or what. Maybe he's been kidnapped. I hope so. That would be better than what I've been thinking, that he's been murdered. Oh, my God, I'm out of my mind. I could sense her hysteria and her frantic anxiety about her son. I said some soothing words, and finally, tell me about Dallas. Will you help, Mr. Deer? Please, God, tell me you'll help us.